Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of Full Exposure with me, your host, Ryan Kelly. It's episode 16, and today's guest is Kevin Beist, who is the Artistic Director of Art Prize. But before we get into Kevin's episode, I have a major, 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 major announcement. And uh, I'm so excited to announce that uh, we have our first podcast partner who's helping to underwrite a lot of content over the coming uh, 12 months. Um, and I'm just so pleased to announce that uh, Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn are going to be our first podcast uh, partner. I could have not asked for a better partnership. It really is an incredible um, opportunity that they've provided to me. Metro Health and their affiliation with the University of Michigan Health are doing incredible things in the West Michigan community. And I, again, could not be more pleased with uh, this association with them. And I just can't wait for the, for the next year as things roll out and you become more familiar with uh, Metro Health University Michigan Health. And special thanks to Dr. Peter Hahn, who is their new newer CEO, I guess. He's been there a little over a year and um, is really an innovator, bright thinker. He thinks differently about healthcare. Uh, he's a physician. Uh, Metro Health University Michigan Health is a, is a physician-led organization, which is rare sometimes. Sometimes it's just uh, an administrator. But having somebody who's a, a practicing doctor also leading the organization is something quite incredible to have right here in West Michigan. So with that, we'll get started on talking about Kevin Beist, who is the artistic director at Art Prize and Project One. Kevin and I go back quite a ways. I started working with Art Prize even before its inception. Um, sort of thinking about photography and some things that they might need during the very first art prize. And uh, Kevin was the artistic director back then and uh, artist relations person. And I really admired him and I watched him for a long time uh, over the last 10 years handle all kinds of, of situations, including... Uh, some controversies, and there's there's one going on right now with Project One. We talk about it in the podcast uh, with uh, Disart, which is an organization that has um, uh, uh, arranged a performance that uh, has um, created some controversy in town, and we touch base on that. Although, as a caveat, we did talk, this podcast was recorded about two and a half weeks ago, or two weeks ago, and uh, details were just evolving. So, um, but I really learned from Kevin over the years, um, and uh, I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Um, project One is a very uh, ambitious project. Uh, Art Prize is now biennial, and uh, this year it's morphed into this Project One. And you can see it all across Grand Rapids uh, from September 7 to October 27, 2019. And Kevin, along with other leadership, has been at the forefront of planning this huge-scale event. It encompasses three locations and five artists around the city. And um, he, Kevin has curated it. He came up with the theme of Cross Lines, which we dive into in depth um, in the podcast. And you'll get a preview of what uh, each site and each artist is doing at each site. But you should check it out. You know, with Art Prize going biennial, that means the Art Prize we've known and to come and to know and love over the last 10 years is taking a break. But in its place, Art Prize has, has along with Kevin, uh, spearheading this curation, uh, created just 
uh, pretty spectacular commissions. So uh, amazing art to see it at three different locations around the city. And so I hope you get out and see it. It starts this weekend, September 7th. That's Saturday. It's just a couple days away. So you need to get out there, get your art prize fix, and, uh, and get at it. My conversation with Kevin Beist, Artistic Director of Art Prize. The Full Exposure Podcast is made possible by Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn in appreciation for the contributions that artists and creative minds provide to our community. Arts and culture are essential to a rich and rewarding life, strengthening our overall well-being and our appreciation of all that we see, hear, and experience. Kevin Bice, literally take two. Take two. Take two. Uh, the story was, uh, is, it yes. hasn't changed, you know, in the past, you came in and we did a, we had the are most you, amazing conversation are you adapting of this, all time. Are you like uh, editing this story? Are you adapting it? Are you going to, are you going to tell the full truth? We're putting a, a positive yarn on it. Yeah. How about that? We'll all pull right. up my Irish roots. We're yeah. spinning a good yarn. Good. No, uh, you came in, we had a lovely conversation, this did is, a photo this shoot. two or three months ago, right? Yeah, the it was like of the probably summer. May or June. I think so. I think it was May or early June. Yeah. And I thought we put out the podcast pretty quick, and then I, sh- I recorded two podcasts in one day, which I always try to do two in a day if I can, because it takes a while to get you know the machine going and the f- lighting up and the, everything going. And so I recorded two, and just a week or two later, I went back to revisit our audio, and I had, basically, it sounded like this, the entire conversation, <laughs> for an hour. Yeah. And That's I always what like, you want to hear. That's a really great I sign. I was like, man, I don't remember Kevin's that, voice quite being like that. Just that minimal uh, No. Just no- for the audience, noise. there was a stupid little button on this control mixer that prevented it from exporting to my computer in real time. So I exported something, but it didn't have our words. No, the words are important. You know, I, yeah. and you, <laughs> you told me... This is what I've learned. This is a, it was in June, I think, and you told me that it would be coming out in like a week or two, and you'd record another one that day, so you're like, that one might come out first, and then it'll be yours, and yeah. you kind of told me the schedule that you're doing it, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, and I was excited. And I even told people <laughs> that I work with. I didn't, t- I didn't tell a ton of people. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't want to post on social media about this until I can post the right. episode, right? Sure, like, sure. It would just be weird to yeah. be like, wait for this. But at least people who I who I work with, yeah. I was like, oh, you had I'm, to explain I'm why you were out at the office. Yeah, I was like, yeah. this is what I'm going to go do today, and it's and I'm excited about it. And then so uh, the weeks just wore on <laughs> from this date, yeah. and you kept releasing all these episodes, and they're really cool. Yeah. And every time a new one would come out, I'd be like, like huh? <laughs> oh, and get like. I would be like, oh, that, is it that's, me? A, really is it, good, that's a really good portrait. And uh, <laughs> oh, man. And then, well, and I was, I was, I really did a lot of mental gymnastics, I'm ashamed to say, but I will admit it, of, oh. of like, why? No. I, I was like, I was I'm going sorry. back through my head and I was like, what did I say? Like, what did I say <laughs> that he, when he played it back, he was like, fuck this guy. I'm not, I'm not putting him on. Or there or was a lot the, of saying, fuck this guy, but I was <laughs> referring to myself because I was such an idiot. I did, it did occur to me that it was a possibility that it was like a tactical yeah. thing. And I was yeah. like, you know, if he has to take well, a, little, a little time before I, he can I let it, it breathe. That's okay. I Just did. I was so humiliated. That, I mean, I hate wasting anybody's time. <laughs> and the fact, I wouldn't, you know, if this, if the situation had been reversed. Yeah. I mean, now it would be like, oh, yeah, you know what? Stuff happens, Kevin. Yeah. Let's just, you know, don't yeah. worry about it, which you've been great and gracious with your time to come back again. But yeah. 
part part of me is just like, oh, really? Come on. Yeah. Like, this is so dumb. But I am new to the podcasting game. And I like to say it is a game. You know, we're... Oh, it's a game. We're on the playing field right now. I I get it, though. I mean, I don't much anymore, but I did, you know, some audio production and video production. and have a podcast. And I had a podcast a long time ago, and my my dad had his whole career doing photography and video. And he, he would tell me these horror stories about... Shooting an yeah. entire wedding with a lens cap on, oh, like yeah. he had like some kind of a viewfinder camera. Oh yeah, it didn't where, look through the lens. Where you could, it, it was went like through a, the side. Yeah, it yeah, through, it was. Yeah. It was like a thing where yeah, range when you're finder. yeah range finder where when you this is in the seventies where you're you're mm-hmm. framing it up without actually looking through the lens. Yeah, and he real he realized it before. Can you imagine the wedding party That's, had dispersed, and so he was I like, mean, "I'm really sorry, everybody, get back together and do it again." It just reminds me, after 22 years, you're never done learning, and you're never done <laughs> yeah. making mistakes. Yeah. Which kind of brings us to our, uh, not that you have mistakes, but (laughs) the point of like what I love about Art Prize and your role there. And I want to jump into that. We're going to meander around a bit. And I want to talk about Project One a lot too, because it's such a big shift for Art Prize as an organization. But um, I've always admired you. What is your title? Director of Artist Relations. And now you're like curator. Artistic director is my title now. Yeah. Yeah. And that encompasses artists, and it encompasses curation, yeah. and uh, just general knowledge of of the art world. Yeah, it and looks, what's contemporary right now? It looks different in kind of art prize years and project years, as yeah. we're, as we're calling them, because we announced this thing last summer where art prize is is switching to a biennial format. So the art prize competition that we know and love is continuing, but it will happen every other year on, on even numbered years, and then. Uh, this year, for 2019, we're doing a, a new thing called Project One, which is still a huge uh, public art exhibition, but it's different in a couple ways because it's not a competition. Instead, we're commissioning yeah. just a small handful of artists, but each of those artists is creating a project that's so enormous and so involved that we could never support it during the art prize competition. So it gives us right. a chance to... And they wouldn't necessarily be able to undertake it as a single entry themselves because no. of other costs and yeah. site logistics. And they really needed your expertise to pull off Project One. Yeah. That collaboration between a great idea by a particular artist that's under the umbrella. We'll talk about the the theme for this year later. But just the point of there had to be a collision with um, some commissioning dollars to yeah. to really make it go. Which is which is huge for me because you know I've been a part of Art Press since the beginning, so we've done it ten yeah. ten times. And in that time, we've done some amazing stuff that I'm and I'm really proud of the work. But there's always been this kind of next level of public art projects that we just can never quite get to. Yes. Because we weren't because we weren't set up really to provide support up front. The whole thing was yeah. backloaded into this there's this giant carrot on a stick and it's this prize and isn't yeah. you know and that animates so much creative activity, which is great, which is why it's not going away because it right. it is successful, but we were like, you know what? What if we just alternated mm-hmm. and front load the thing every other year so that we can find the right artists who are doing just incredible work all over the world and then really help them um, realize a project uh, in Grand Rapids in the context, in the sort of continuing context of the Art Prize tradition. Yes, which I think is important because um, Grand Rapids is a very unique place, yeah. uh, and it, it presents a lot of unique opportunities. And the momentum that we built with Art Prize presents a lot of unique public art opportunities yeah. that don't exist in places that are bigger or smaller. Like yeah. it's pretty unique to what we have. Here. I want to ask you a question. It's related to what we're talking about, but it's sort of a sidebar. It'll divert us for a second. But you've traveled the world now a lot with Art Prize and going to biennials in Venice, mm-hmm. and you travel quite a bit. I'm always amazed how much you're on the road when it's not Art Prize season. Yeah. 
But we're talking about Grand Rapids, and I just I wonder, you know, uh, did you grow you grew up in Grand Rapids? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up here too, but you begin as you get older to get a little more of a perspective of what the city is and sort of that uh, culture that's here, whatever that makes us us. Yeah. Or in some some respects, do you have a better handle of like the the fly on the wall sort of perspective of what Grand Rapids is from your own, like you mentioned what's unique. You said Grand Rapids is so unique. So what is it that's different than Miami? It's different than Italy. And I don't mean like cross-cultural, different languages, but maybe just, is there something a two, two or three things that's like Grand Rapids is this? It's it's hard because I, I'm in my love hate relationship with Grand Rapids. The last few days have, it's been strained, uh, (laughs) which is a whole nother thing. But, um, no, I, I mean, I think that there's this kind of, like, Protestant industriousness yeah. here. Hard there's, workers. Yeah, right? hard workers. There's, like, a, there's, there is this sort of, you know, Michigan Rust Belt, um, uh, you know, mentality of, of industry, but it's, I think it's more design, it has more of a design pedigree yeah. um, with, the, with the furniture industry. Um, not that the auto industry doesn't have a design component, but... Um, you know, at least culturally, it's just more associated with questions of labor and things like that. Whereas, yeah. and not that that doesn't exist here, but um, but there's this design, you know, with mm-hmm. with Kendall and with these big furniture manufacturers. And I think that that does um, that does make a difference. Um, I don't know. It's it's funny. I, I it's kind w- of in w- that whatever. It's kind of like with that DNA thing. You can't really change. But like we talked about, even being at the airport, and sometimes I know which gate is mine as if I'm flying to Grand Rapids, connecting into Grand Rapids, I could just look at the people <laughs> yeah. waiting or in that area without looking at where that gate's going. Yeah. And I know it's going to Grand Rapids. Yeah. Oh, and the other ones are the other ones are different yeah. altogether. Like totally. when, you, when you go through those things and it's like all the regional flights yeah. going out, like that one's going to Little Rock. That one's going there. to Oklahoma because yeah. there's a couple guys with 10-gallon hats on. Yeah, and totally. Then, you know, and then the, here I know. it's like there's a More or less look. or typical. Yeah. No, I, in the traveling I've done to other cities, I've, I've been to a lot of other... Um, big cities, but also other mid-sized cities and things like that. And I, I remember having, for some reason it was like, I took these two trips and they're for different reasons, but one was to Minneapolis and one was to Dallas. And we were talking, I was talking with people and having these meetings around stuff we were working on in those places. And I had this similar situation in both cities where it was like people talked about the city almost the way that they would talk about a sibling. Yeah. And they're kind of like, like if I haven't seen your brother in a long time, like yeah. what he's, what is he up to? Yeah. And you have to like, you think for a second, so you have to be like, okay, I have to somehow say he got divorced, but I also have to brag about his new job, and I have to, you know, like it's there's this measurement. Of, there's this measurement to yeah. like where they're trying to be like, I, I am proud of it, and I do want to boost it, but I also like have to. How do I tactfully acknowledge? Yeah. How do we the, warm, like, the warm crap, people of the underbelly? Of yeah, the like crap that, that we're stuck in and that we can't yeah. we yeah. can't deal with and we don't know why. You know, yeah. like, and so there's this weird kind of measured way that people talk about their own cities. Yeah, and I and I feel that about Grand Rapids, where and sometimes I'm put in these situations where I have to kind of be a booster around yeah. it. But I always try to I try to be measured. I try yeah. to be honest about it and be like, well, I think this is a great perfect, place. But you know, no place is for everybody, and no place is you know perfect. I think we I we put certain cities because we don't spend a lot of time there on a pedestal. Yeah. And when you're visiting, you're seeing the best parts. You're living at a standard that you wouldn't normally live. You're going to eat in restaurants or go out and experience nightlife on a level that you would not yeah. do day to day if you live there. So, yeah. you know, the, the commute becomes part of the drudgery of it. And, you know, your ignorant neighbors are yeah. another thing and other well, inspiring people are another part of it. And I totally think that cities, 
living in a city and visiting a city are two totally different things. Like I lived in New York for a period and I visit there uh, probably twice a year or more now, yeah. like um, for the past, you know, a long time. And so I love going to New York and I have a, a good familiarity with it and I can get around easily. And it's, so it's like public transportation and, and whatever else is not intimidating to me because I like from, yeah. from living there for a little while, I get it. And I'm just like, man, this is the best place to visit and the worst place to live. Like I don't, yeah. I don't want to have to navigate I feel um, how way. to do this more than I feel like the same three way about days. LA. I feel the same way about a lot of bigger cities that I love to, I live over my budget. You know, I'm there usually for work or whatever. I wouldn't, right. yeah, I wouldn't do the things that yeah. I would normally do. And also the experiences feel fresh. You know, you're stimulated by audio, you know, audio, visual, you know, you're, you're taking it in. I often re- am reminded like how flat I, my own mind's eye appears my perception of Grand Rapids and West Michigan is, and Michigan in general, it's super flat. Mm -hmm. And then I'm looking, sometimes I try to look, I actually do this as an exercise sometimes. Maybe it's more from a photography perspective. It's like, what if I just opened my eyes and this was a city and I didn't know anything about it? Well, then the elevation takes a little different scale. Yeah. The buildings take a little different scale. I try to see some things occasionally. It's a fun little exercise to try sometimes. It never fully works because you're always like, yeah, that's the building there. And yeah. that's where uh, I was 21 and went out and yeah. had too much fun and yeah. whatever it might be. But I wanted to get back to Art Prize because uh, I have a long history with Art Prize since it's in, before its inception, actually. Yeah. And um, became photographer and then a videographer creating content for each year of Art Prize through the first 10 years. Yeah. And what I was talking about mistakes earlier when we were talking just to open it was that Art Prize has always been this radically open, uh, decentralized catalyst. Mm-hmm. And what I all the buzzwords. Yeah, thank you. There are there are words. There are buzzwords. Well, that's it, where yeah. I look. That's where but I. I, th- I, I think about them. them differently now than I did ten years ago. That's well, awesome. I remember the the chaotic storm that happened with the first art prize. It was truly, if you could have created a phenomenon in, in every context of that word, where everyone was unexpectedly blown away by how many people came. Our cities were full. Restaurants ran out of food. Like, how, yeah. how many have you ever gone to a city where the restaurants are like, "Sorry, we can't open tomorrow because it's Sunday and we can't get food delivery." So right. there's nothing happening, and there's eighty thousand people or sixty downtown on a yeah. Sunday, and they couldn't be open for business. Yeah. But out of that was all this between your artist relations and things. There was a lot of blowback. There was a lot of like vitriol directed back at Art Prize. Some of it, you know, on balance, it, it was. But you have been the point person for most of this heat. And if there's one <laughs> thing true. I admire for about you over the last 10, 11 years, is through the vitriol, you are able to sort of duck and weave and find the heart of what Art Prize can learn from whatever this person's upset by even though they're not approaching it, their words in a, in a constructive manner. Yeah. You've been a master at that. And I don't know if you can speak to anything because if I could learn one thing from you, it would be to not, not that you didn't take things personal, yeah. but you didn't personalize the, the feedback. Yeah. That is hard. That is really hard. I mean, it, you know, especially when it first started, there was this period of time, which looking back, it's only a couple of months, but boy, it seemed like longer than that between, when we announced what we were doing and how it was all going to work, 
yeah. and when the thing actually happened, right? There was, yeah. and, that's, and that was the whole, that was a crazy time because it's, it's the artist registration period and mm-hmm. it's the venues are signing up and you know, all of this sort of press is happening around like, what's this thing gonna be? Yeah. Um, and we were figuring it out as we went along. Like we, we, we developed yeah. it very quickly. Talk um, about a startup. Holy yeah. cow. We started developing it internally in J- January of 2009. We announced it publicly in late April and then it opened in September. So it was, it was that fast. And so, you know, and a lot of that time was just the, the, the nuts and bolts of building a website which could support yeah. this uh, artist registration process and then, of course, the public vote and, and deliver that yeah. with integrity and, and whatever else. But people, the, the public conversation around it at the time, um, you know, there, there were artists who were just like, this will not work. Mm-hmm. They they would just like swear up and down and you know talk to any reporter that they could and and comment under any Facebook uh, thing and this is back when you know all of the news sites had comment sections and sometimes sometimes people still read them because right. it was this other era of the internet where we thought like Web 2.0 and everyone yeah. has their voice and yeah. everyone's really like optimistic about it sure. which plays into what Art Prize you know um, is as well. Uh, but everybody but there were people not everybody but there were um, a, a loud minority of people who were like. This is a terrible idea. It's not going to work. And you're ruining and, the art world. Yes. And, and this this really was down to a lot of academics were upset that, you know, the public wasn't given more um, artistic um, art history and background about what should be valued enough to win such a, an yeah. enormous prize. At the time, it was a quarter of a million dollars yeah. for the winner. And there was large cash prizes for second and third place as well. I actually threw the whole top ten yeah, back at then, that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, there was a lot of people, a lot of discussion about who who gets to control the narrative about what is art and what isn't, and that was yeah. like kind of once you got through the the spectacle of this enormous cash prize as a catalyst, uh, that was like my fifth thought I thought about. Really, I didn't really think about this is going to make the art world horrible and no one's going right. to. I mean, that, we're talking about a narrow. A fairly narrow band of conversation. There were yeah. certainly many artists who were gung ho and on it, and and produced work that they never would have as an entry to compete. Yeah. But that sort of blowback and being able to to sort of like I said earlier, just the duck and weave, and but really listen to what was really being said and address it as an organization. Because I think every year you've tweaked and tweaked and done little things. Some of it has been big. Some of it has hasn't been. Yeah, you've well, added curators. You've well, done all kinds. Yeah. Of things. Well, I mean, to go back to that point uh, um, about balancing what critics and by critics I mean people who are critical of our approach. Um, what they s- say about it and the kind of like attacks <laughs> attacks that we underwent, yeah. uh, especially in those early days, um, it is it's difficult because it's like there's this instinct where you just want to be combative and be like I'll yes. show you you're so wrong yeah. ah, whatever um, and and I have to admit that there's something a little satisfying about the fact that they were wrong it yeah. did work right like people and people older than me and people with by all measures more experienced than me swore up and down that it would be a colossal failure, and it wasn't. Like, yeah. people really liked it. Well, it, it was exactly It was enormous. They might not have, not have liked well, it might the not meandering have seen, sort of, like, yeah. outcomes of things, but, like, in terms of as a, an experiment, as right. the There's founder, different definitions of success, but, yeah. but for but, what we were trying to do, it was successful. Uh, yeah. So, but it's, it's difficult to balance out, do you just be, like, the hater, like, the hater's going to hate and just, like, shut that out mm-hmm. of your mind? But then at the same time, I, I, I always tried, even if it wasn't in the moment, at least with you know, later reflection, to try to figure out like people, had a, they have a point. 
you know? Yeah. And, and, and some of that criticism early on was not just about like, what, who, like, why would the, why you have the public vote? Like the, they don't um, know anything. Yeah. The public yeah. doesn't get to vote on my, you know, brain right. surgery or, you know, right. like, and I, and, but there was other thing that people would say, which I think stuck a little bit more, um, is the idea that artists need to be supportive, right? Like, mm-hmm. like prizes are one thing, but like production needs to be supported. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what we're doing. That's what we're doing with project <laughs> one. That's entirely what project one is. But even before we made this switch, like for the past several years, We've introduced more and more and more grant programs. Yeah, up and front, the, and that's to like yeah. help. Like they submitted an idea, they needed. I th- there were five thousand dollars sort of catalysts, and there are a bunch of different levels. Different but levels. Like, so. but like, so our prize in our prize ten is half a million dollars in prizes, but we gave out I think two hundred and seventy thousand dollars in grants. Yeah, before the event. And by grants, you mean this is money for you to prepare the project entry. Money that for you, to yeah. create art to compete for our prize. Yes. Yes. Yeah, money f- money for um, yeah. upfront in the preparation of our prize, money yeah. to artists, but also venue curators. And that had a and thread and a line through, you know, from year one and sort of like hearing concerns of artists. Yeah, totally. Through that. And, yeah. you know, you can, you know, it's been this uh, meanderable, malleable, very format that yeah. uh, has listened. But you've been really the point person for ingesting that information, yeah. bringing it to other leadership and people that, that could decide, you know, what are the next steps? How do we improve? How yeah. do we do it? Well, and the, because there's a difference between um, how you begin an organization and how you sustain it, Yeah, right? And that's, you know, and people talk about startups or whatever, and it, it was sort of a startup, but we're a nonprofit. And so there's a, it's a different calculus there. But we started in a very unusual way for a nonprofit, which was that we did not start small and we didn't like build up um, a base of, you know, uh, volunteers and supporters and like an all volunteer working board like a lot of small nonprofits do. We just came out of the gate like we're already huge and this is what we're doing. Um, And then we had to kind of backfill (laughs) the sorts of support that is normally a part of the infrastructure for a budding nonprofit. But either way to go from starting an idea, like here's this crazy bold idea, to sustaining it, it's a very different conversation. And so that's really the transition that has happened um, over the past 10 years. And, and one of the things that I think is this kind of like undertold story, which is, um, you know, bugs me a little bit about it, is that uh, one of the things that we've worked so hard to do over the last decade is to broaden our base of support. Mm-hmm. And so now it's a an incredibly broadly supported yeah. nonprofit where, you know, the the largest chunk, but still only a little over half, is from uh, a whole bunch of corporate sponsors. Yeah. So and then and we're we have geez, three full time people that just do nothing but um, just raise money <laughs> all the time because right. we because we you know what we do takes a lot of money to produce and of course we give out a lot of money either in grants or project years or, yeah. or prizes and so I think that like the kind of initial splash that we made there's still this persistent misperception that it's like, well, they just Mm -hmm. have this pile of money and they can do whatever they want with it. And it's like, it's not true at all. Like I spend so much of my time, like, you know, agonizing over budgets and just like raising money and raising money and raising money. And and it means like getting a whole, a very broad base of people um, from individuals to corporations to foundations, uh, believing in what you're doing and believing in the value of it. And it's, it's grounding. Well, and the organization's had a lot of, you know, I've seen some things uh, from, I'm not on the inside, but I've definitely seen, uh, I work with a lot of internal people there to produce what we do every year, or I do for our prize every year. But there's been changes. You've been really, again, I keep calling you the, the, the center point, but of this institutional knowledge, there's been four or five executive directors uh, yeah. have, have circulated through. And, uh, and, I'm, not other- the, and I'm not the 
the executive director now, to be clear. No, no. no. Jory Bennett, I do have a boss. I yeah, don't, I don't just get to do whatever I want. No, but I'll take I, your praise, but I, I do want to. No, but you've you've been at that point, which really was the the point for the public to to sort of react to, artists to come to with their concerns. That sure. was you. So that's, yeah, you know that's different than being in the in the back rooms and sort of shaking hands and making you know trying to to sell the idea of Art Prize as a sponsorship or right. underwriting opportunity. But that, uh, I can't imagine, again, I'll get off the compliments, but like Art Prize without sort of you being that steady person uh, in that role, I can't think of it as someone, especially because of how you've executed it, but in the rearview mirror, I don't really know how, if there had been somebody a little more combative and explosive that, and took a different tone with the right. public, it, yeah. w- it could have easily been... Um, uh, not, not as successful and more <laughs> misunderstood and all that's pro- that's probably true yeah. um yeah and it's it's perennially misunderstood anyway i there's something about um our prize as kind of a troublemaker uh, as yeah. a, a, a institution it's a rabble rouser a, a rabble rouser thing that that's always a Midwestern term isn't that's it not, probably we're a whippersnapper whippersnapper <laughs> it's it always really appealed to me uh-huh. and that cuz as a as a art student long long ago you know learning about our history and learning about the avant-garde and, and different kind of weird experiments that people were trying especially throughout the 20th century those were always the people that i was like that really stuck with me like yeah. oh my gosh you can do that yeah you know like i had this like there's this artist, Bruce Nauman, who um, I remember this art history professor I had said that Bruce Nauman is a gadfly. Like a yeah, gadfly is like... a cool word. He's, it's, it's like a tiny animal, but it bites the cow in the butt and the cow like moves. moves. It has to move, right? Like he's, he's just like yeah. this instigator. And I think that Bruce Nauman is even more than that. And I think that there's, there's a lot going on in his work. But, it, but there is a, an element of that that's really true. And I've always like really admired that. And I've always thought like, well, why can't there be like museums that have a clear sort of centuries long mission of the preservation of culture. But why can't there also be this ecosystem of other art organizations that are just like nimble and they're crazy yeah. and they're like, we have this nutso idea and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. The art world has been a little, it's faster now because of organizations like Art Prize, but they, they've been a little reluctant to release the reins of power and sort of like yeah. different thinking about art is, you know, it's, institutionally kind of protected that way sure. and it feels and, and in some ways it yeah. should be yeah because the because the the preservation mission of museums is super important yeah. and we wouldn't know about bruce nauman if there weren't institutions preserving right. even the crazy stuff he did that's like hard to preserve because it's just like a weird videotape he made in 1978 or <laughs> yeah, something right, right. and it's going to decay but like and so we need that but i think that i'm, I'm interested in a in an art world that has a, a bunch of different experiments happening not only at the artist level but at the institution level yeah. where there's institutions that are willing to be like what if we tried this and what yeah. if we tried this yeah and i think that that's that's a sign of like a healthy uh of a healthy thing and it's and it's because it's always seems so weirdly incongruous to me where you have these institutions that support artists that are just like just knocking down barriers left and right and they're just like nothing is sacred and the artists are just like so bold in that way yeah. and then the people supporting them are like the most straight and narrow yeah. Sure. And they have one way of working. Yes. And I'm like, did you learn anything from yes. these artists that you venerate? <laughs> so that like, their whole thing is about like, yeah, they're this, basically this kind of like kill your idols approach to, yeah. every, to, to everybody and everything that's in power, right? right? Like, so much of art is is reacting to constraints and power structures and wealth and yeah. and the any kind of hoarding of, yeah. of ideas or or culture or totally. whatever it might be. And, and and one thing you know, and I was going to make this point earlier and I'll say it now is that the the 
when people criticized the art prize when it started with the public vote, like, well, why does the public get to choose? They were kind of misunderstanding what the vote was for. The vote has never been for determining the best artwork. It doesn't really do that. Yeah. It's more of, um, it's, it's like an engagement tool. It's just this kind of yeah. red herring to get people to show up, and then once you're there, people can be involved in, in art in different ways. But, I, I'm, but one thing I will say in defense of the public vote is that I think it's exciting to have um, something that's market-like but has nothing to do with money. Yeah, because so much of the art world, and this is a little less true in in Michigan because we don't have a huge collector culture. But if you're talking about bigger art art centers, tell me about it. I used to own an art gallery, dude. <laughs> totally, there's no collecting culture. Yes, <laughs> but if you, but if you're talking about bigger art centers where yeah. where all this activity is taking place, and even even the the cutting edge stuff that I am more drawn to, the core of it is the market. That's so much of what it yeah. is. It's just this, it's, and it's just this obscene market, and there's so many people involved in it that collect for no other reason than just kind of vanity for themselves and yeah. and just kind of this, like, um, I have a bunch of yachts and mansions and I just need baubles to put around. Right. And which, which and, and people rightfully are like, get really tired of that. And people yeah. who are in art for different reasons get, get really annoyed by that. So I, I do love the thing. When I there's love limited about the, access to that type of success, right? Yeah. Too. I mean, there's so few channels. It's like saying you want to be a movie star. Yeah, you know, or, or to be like a top fifty totally. globals actor or actress. You yeah, know, it just it's such rarefied air. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, to well, people. and the and it discounts you know all these people who who are talented but just haven't found the right stroke of luck. You know. Well, yeah, and the the activity of of tracking all of that yeah. is something that it's like that's I don't know it's adjacent to art, but it's not really what it's about. Yeah, but it's but there's something I think is interesting about. Uh, you know, this broad question of like, well, what's good and what has value and what isn't? And like, what do you, like, what's, who's your horse to bet on kind of a thing right. in, in happening, which is a little market-like yeah, I like in, that. in the public vote, which just doesn't have anything to do with money. Like it, we didn't, well, we're early on every art prize, there's just, you know, there's the buzz. And I used to um, produce the, the, what we would call internally kind of a hype video to yeah. like give people a preview, an energetic preview of like what our prize looks like this year. Yeah. And, I don't know, everybody, uh, I mean, a lot of friends and family and people I didn't know on Facebook would be like, what do you like at iProsit? What's great? What's this? And that sort of, uh, it's pretty amazing, I think, too, how quickly things sort of um, organize that support and popularity around those 10 or 15 or 30 items that get a lot of conversation right out of the gate. Yeah, And... Um, and sometimes it's predictable and sometimes it isn't, you know, it's just uh, been an interesting, um, someone should do a whole thesis on what art got selected, the, the, the norms of the day politically and socially, economically, yeah. what was happening, what people yeah. wrote about, or, yeah. you know, would they write a, a mini, there's a lot underneath yeah. that curtain. Well, and now that it's getting we're about getting, us, I mean, it yeah, really totally. is a reflection of us. And, that's and we're getting been, further from, further from some of those, those early years, you could start to see some of that more clearly. Yeah. And the, you know, social media is of course a big part of our prize, but honestly, a, a lot of uh, what happens with our prize, I think is driven by local media. Hmm. And, and Which you've embraced with, you know, you have a huge relationship with Wood TV. Yeah, totally. They and do we've, live broadcasts. We've, yeah, we do usually talk, or a four, yeah, we do art. like four live broadcasts yeah. during our typical live press. And so we've really leaned into that. But, um, but even in the, um, the, the 10 years of art price so far, uh, you know, things like the Grand Press and M Live ch have changed radically. Like yeah. the uh, who well, they have on staff to cover that kind of thing, and everything's upside down. And it's 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 crazy, and it's sad in a lot of ways. And yeah. I've seen you know good people you know lose their jobs and things. But um, it's a kind of an industry in, in turmoil in certain ways. But the 
the way that the entire event is processed and even like the way that we do our jobs, um, the media landscape has a direct effect on it. Mm-hmm. It really does. And yeah. there's, you know, cause there's this, there was this thing where in the early years it was like, you know, we'd be like, oh, there's, um, you know, there's 1,262 artists this year. And then we get an email a day later and the press would run with it, whatever. We get an email a day later and there'd be some like very convincing sob story. This artist like, oh, my computer crashed and won't you let me in? And, yeah. I don't know. and so, and we look around and we'd be like, yeah, why not? Let's just be nice. But then we were like, it's going to be a story. Like the, like the press is going to like be like, why did the number change? And then we'd do like a whole thing on it. Sure, yeah. And, they yeah. Would, and, and we would have to be like, oh, man, like they're going to think it's corrupt or they're going to, yeah. like they would be on it. Yeah. Lately, they, they will not notice. Yeah. Like we, and now it's, and it's, it's good because we can be nice and we can be like, hey, there yeah. was a deadline. You know, shit happens, man. I get it. Like, yeah, right. sure, you're in. You know, like. Right. No, no biggie. Right. Yeah. There's a certain point where we have to stop doing that, but we can do yeah. that a little bit for sure. But like, but I'd it's like weird to because enter we, last year's competition. But it's okay. <laughs> sure. You okay. want to win? <laughs> no, but it's um, but it, it is. It's like this. Uh, it's a small thing, and you yeah. wouldn't and you wouldn't think about you know just sort of who, how many people are employed at the arts desk like having an impact like that. But it, it like has a very concrete impact on how we're actually able to operate. Yeah. And for people who are aren't let in after the deadline, it's, it's, it makes a huge deal. Because um, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a couple things I want to transition to. One is I want to make sure that we. Um, I mean, there's there's a few instances throughout the ten years of Art Prize, and this isn't like a whole retrospective show, but there's been a lot of cultural um, narratives happening within artworks and people pushing buttons, and which even. Um, talks about uh, up until today. So let's talk about Project One. Yeah. And then I also, there is, a, we, I want to timestamp this, but we'll explain what t- um, Project One is. But right now there's developing information <laughs> around a very controversial... Uh, yeah, everything's changing uh, quickly. So, everything's yeah. changing. So we'll, I'll explain what that is later. But, uh, but so there's 10 years of Art Prize. Uh, you know, it's adapted, it's moved, it's bobbed and weaved into what it was for 10 years. And then the decision was made to make it biennial. Mm-hmm. And then in between year, which we are now, uh, is Project One. And yeah. this is this commission-based uh, where um, several artists are given enough money to, to do something on a very grand scale that they could not afford to do themselves. And, and they're chosen under the umbrella of uh, a theme this year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. explain, explain a little bit about the theme, Project One, and uh, just uh, you know, yeah. So the the theme is crossed lines. Yeah. So w- the the exhibition of Project One really has a has a title, which is crossed lines, which we've never been able to do with Art Prize before, because you you know you mentioned a second ago that a lot of themes pop up in in works within Art Prize, and you can even look back and be like, why was this a big year for dragons or motorcycles <laughs> or something? It's like, um, or like the yeah. You know, the 10th anniversary of 9-11, and, there, and there's, like, stuff, you know, that happens in Art Prize that year. But for the, for the most part, Art Prize is everything in the kitchen sink. It's yeah. this huge smorgasbord. You can never narrow it down. It's and we've never really tried to. It's steampunk as anything could be steampunked without being <laughs> steampunk. You know, right. like, it's but even, many things But even if, you can, even if you can trend spot, yeah. it's, it's, like, even then, it's, you're pulling out 1% to 2% of overall entries. Yeah. And... and Weaving them together, it's never there's never anything overall, which is great because that's what our prize is meant I to be. I just meant steampunk as a, like a just a, a amazing sort of 
uh, cobbling it together yeah. of all kinds of different things right. to make something else, and that's what yeah. our prize is at sure. its, its central sort. I of see. Theme. You're saying steampunk has yeah. like a. Metaphor. I don't mean literally. It's well, there was steampunk. there was there was definitely literally a time where there was more yeah. st- like steampunk creators than there are now. I feel like that moment has passed, Brian. Yeah. So. Well, um, <laughs> you go your way, I'll go mine. Okay? Are you are you welding <laughs> steampunk ray guns in your basement? I've been salvaging in junkyards for the last. I found a bumper on an old Buick. And Good. I just can't wait to, you know, Trick it figure out. it out to With be some... like a bow and arrow of like some uh, Greek uh, eagle. Yes. Yes. With like little uh, gears and, and Lots knobs, of gears, a lot of little uh, bolts. Uh, yep. Yeah. Some vacuum tubes. <laughs> um, so, no, anyway, so, yeah. we, so we, one of the things that we realized that we could do if we were commissioning these big public art projects, which are just too, too large and too complex to exist within the art price format, yeah. but, it's a, but it's the kind of work that really feels like it's what we should be supporting and it's and it's a it's an extension in many ways of of the ethos of our prize because mm-hmm. these projects that we've commissioned are participatory in their own way mm-hmm. um and in our 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 public facing um and involve the public in a way that's really exciting and so you know with our prize there's this kind of overarching question uh which is or or like a call to action to the audience which is to vote mm-hmm. and it's like there's this kind of this the implicit question in the entire experience is like who do you think should get this money yeah and whether you actually vote or not my this is my theory whether you vote or not i think that the that implicit overriding question colors the experience yeah and so even if you just like go check it out you don't vote you maybe watch the news later and they're saying like here's the finalists or whatever mm-hmm. it's still like it's the the narrative is there kind of yeah. like where if if you know um a sports competition is is happening, or the the finals, NBA finals are happening, and you don't care about any of the teams, but it's like the the, the narrative is still there, and yeah. that's how you're following it. Right. And politics is the same way. Um, and so I think that what was what's exciting for us is that w- with with this uh, project one and with the you know project two and three is w- that we'll do in future years, we get to talk to artists really early on in the process. Yeah. And ask them, what do we do with this audience? Like. Yeah. For every one of these projects, it was this question really early on of not only what do people see when they show up, but what do they do? Yeah, um, it's much. More, it's about activity, sure. and so for some of these things, that a lot of that involvement and, and interaction has been happening in the run up to the exhibition. Like in the case of uh, Amanda Browder's work, where where she's creating these enormous fabric uh, textile pieces that will wrap around buildings. And those are generated from uh, donated fabric and uh, volunteer mm-hmm. sewing days, which we've been running since like April, yeah. um, and just hundreds and hundreds of hours of Before of you go into a little more of the artist, I just want to reboot re- back. So Art Prize never had a, a curatorial window or theme to, to look at art through. And you selected uh, cross lines. Was it blurred lines? Cross lines. Cross lines. <laughs> blurred blurred, lines, was blurred a, lines is Robin Thicke. We should license that song. Yes, <laughs> uh, for the next thing. But the, yeah, so um, cross lines. So yeah. you came. I, I think was that you kind of came up with this uh, idea I did. As, as like here's the initial sort of filter that we can start to. Yeah. Um, maybe well, filters the wrong word, but to, no, to I think the optics are going to be how does art relate around these these yes. cross lines and boundaries within the city of Grand Rapids? Yeah, so so cross lines in a in a because I haven't said what that means yet. You're right. So cro- cross lines is an exhibition about uh, the lines that unite and divide a city. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are visible, some of them are invisible, um, but they have a a, a tremendous sway on um, how the built environment is, is you know, navigated by people, and they have uh, an effect on how we feel like we do or don't belong. 
Right. And it's so about it's, belonging. It's, it's about belonging, and and on the other side of that, it's about alienation, and, mm-hmm. and what's the difference between belonging and alienation? Yeah. And so that was born out of conversations we had with people like Scott Welch. I don't know if you know Scott Welch. Yeah, I know Scott. Um, about you know, and he and he was we were talking with him early on in this process, and he was like, you know, there's a huge difference between welcoming and belonging. Right. And he's like, and he is, we're talking about Grand Rapids and mm-hmm. this, you know, and having mixed feelings about our hometown. And, and he's, this is something he says about Grand Rapids, if I can paraphrase him, which is that Grand Rapids is really good at welcoming and not very good at belonging. Yeah. Um, which is that we're happy to say, like, oh, hey, you're welcome here, and do the, like, booster thing and, and mm-hmm. be nice and, and all that stuff. But, but there's a much deeper sense of, like, where do you, but where do you belong? Yeah. You know, and where, where has your presence been anticipated before you showed up mm-hmm. right and 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 what's what's a space that feels like it's well, for this you gets to, to the root of a lot of issues in many cities but in grand rapids specifically is is you know these deeply rooted historical systems which have created these boundaries yeah. and reinforced them yeah visible and invisible well, either whether they're economic totally. racial or uh just the geographic barriers of roads and rivers and things that you talked about absolutely and and grand rapids has a has a, a deep history of this kind of thing and it's where grand rapids is not alone there's one of many cities that have a history of redlining which yeah. is a, a sort of discriminatory housing practice mm-hmm. um where you know the the deeds of properties would say that it, it had to be white people only that could mm-hmm. that could buy these houses, and the the and the thing about that that I think a lot of white people like me um, aren't aware of and that I wasn't aware of until you know a few years ago when I looked into it more, is that you know simply making those housing practices illegal like technically illegal is only the first step, and right. if that, uh, not much of a first step in, in erasing the, the long... Um, well, and even the, recently the there's been banks, local banks, that have been um, really called out and flagged and fined for loaning practices yeah. within... The data's there. That if people pre- just yeah, look at it, that it's predatory and the interest rates are terrible, or you just cannot get a loan. Like, their portfolios yeah. do not represent... Um, yeah. You know, the uh, anyway, so yes, but it continues, even though, uh, you know, yes, there's been, uh, but I think desegregation for a long time. So, so the, yeah, so the idea though of, of doing an exhibition where we invite artists to think critically about the lines that divide the built environment, that came out of partly an acknowledgement of, of the history of this place, yeah, um, which is, you know, it's a river city, so we have like this east and west of the river kind yep. of a thing. There's the, 131, you know, cut downtown in half at a certain point in our history, and the and the the fortunes of the of the two halves of that division <laughs> so were, were very different. And yeah. even now, it's like you know the west side is kind of coming up now, but that <laughs> it's like they're only that what took another 50, 60 years. Yeah, only least. like decades behind yeah. in terms of um, you know what happened on the east side of that highway. So and there's tons of stuff like that, and there's a lot that we don't know. I'm not uh, by any means a big expert in this kind of thing. But I think that art is a way that we can like, you know, dig into those things. And there are local artists in Project One, but but the majority of them, there are five artists, and, and four of them are not from the city. And and part of the idea with that is that um, I think that people can come in with with fresh eyes yeah. and and bring work um, that connects local issues, local struggles, local histories to a broader national and global context. Uh, and I just think that that's something that that art is very good at doing, right. and and so that that was always really important to me. But also, the p- part of part of the the cross lines thing came out of a critical reflection on art prize itself, mm-hmm. because part of what we did the first year 
which was kind of a fateful decision, and we've been kind of you know dealing with the consequences of it ever since, was that we made an art prize district. It wasn't just sort of right. It right, wasn't right. just any space yeah. in Grand Rapids could be a venue to host mm-hmm. artists. We put a we just like drew this box. Right. And placed it over the map of downtown yeah. Grand Rapids, which was like Leonard to the north in and a practical, to the south. In its practical application, it was like we need to limit the geographic space that yeah. art is in, so people can find it yep. and venues can participate. And you, you, you know, you couldn't have a uh, a fifty square mile district. You no, know? I mean it would never. No, work. It, would, it wouldn't be so, one event. But the, there yeah. were the sort of these same kind of ramifications that, like, once you put a boundary around, then you've decided what to include and exclude. Yeah, by default. And and one thing that we didn't uh, of a kind of a vector of the way that the city is already subdivided that we weren't considering when we did that. I can I can fully admit is the city of Grand Rapids is divided into three wards. Yeah, and. Uh, the first word and the second word kind of meet in downtown. And so if you place a box on downtown, which is what we did, you get about about half of its first word, about half of its second word. Those words are much bigger, you know, like yeah. the majority of all of them yeah, are Yeah, they just out, sort of, you right? drew a little part yeah. that, yeah. you know. But but the our price boundaries don't include the third word at all. Yeah. And, you know, and that wasn't our intent. And like I said, it wasn't a part of the frame that we were looking at. But this, of course, was not the first time the third word has been overlooked. Well, the, and the, the third, third word, word is, just to be fully transparent, yeah. is, is economically um, challenged. It's uh, the most diverse racially of, of our um, three wards. Yeah. And there's been a lot of, uh, of not avoidance, but just uh, there aren't the same catalysts for investment yeah. and credits. And that was a big report that came out recently, too. Just, you know, how much money has gone to uh, estate money and, and uh, city money and yep. incentive money has almost, uh, uh, I mean, laughably excluded the third ward. Yeah. This doesn't happen by accident i'm not saying it's intentional no but but that's but that's part of the and that goes back to the conversation about redlining and discriminatory housing practices and 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 things like that because the and so even if you know and there's a lot of argument about this but even if you were to be generous and you were to say that the kind of racist intent of those discriminatory housing practices was something that happened earlier in the 20th century (laughs) even if you were (laughs) which i think is pretty naive but even if you thought we were past that the 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 legacy of it that carries on is um, is uh, incredibly uh, powerful and and it's still and is, an is open wound around. and it's it still bleeds and it hasn't you know it's still and it's and, still and I tend to think you know and I and I tend to think that it's it's more than just uh, an historic wound that hasn't healed I think it's it's actively continuing just through different through different means yeah but um, but that's kind of another thing to get into but yeah. Um, so, so we were thinking about that. So, so part of the thing that we were able to do with, with the approach to Project One as compared to Art Prize is that we didn't need to have a, a just sort of one-size-fits-all, just throw a box at the map. Right. Instead, we talked to artists, we talked to the city, we talked to community leaders, we talked to neighborhood associations, because we gave ourselves a lot of time to plan this, and we were like, what do we want to do, and where does it work? And mm-hmm. we brought artists in for site visits, and we told them about the city, and we, yeah. and we just talked it through and then so and then we also you know landed on uh, this thing of it's in three different locations mm-hmm. uh, project one is downtown uh, on the west side at tanglefoot and on the southeast side at mlk park and that ends up being in all three wards yeah so it was and which is a little bit symbolic because we're yeah. this is part of you know what we're talking about as 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 we talk about uh how the whole project came together um but it's yeah so we, but it really it came out of, I think, in a way, uh, looking critically even at what art prize is itself, yeah. which I think is a little, su- and that goes back to that idea but of like how be, 
how, how different art institutions can operate because I'm, right. I'm interested in an art institution that can look at itself critically yeah. rather than one that's just kind of like, we're the best, everything right. we do is super great. And just to tie that up, you tied it up nicely, but that's been, I think, even though it, people don't necessarily perceive it in real time, our price has been doing since day one. Like a real, it's been critical of itself right. in a way to learn, not, you know, to learn and adapt. And uh, its founder, visionary, is someone who is a catalyst for failing quickly and trying lots of things and mm -hmm. not worrying about, you know, too much about one particular consequence of a single, yeah. uh, you know, decision. Like, so in that DNA, I think it's, it's done a good job, but now you're able to intentionally as a, as a critical reaction now with project one to incorporate, uh, Crossing those lines, as the theme says, is like mm -hmm. we're going to intentionally uh, make a throughway through these borders, mm -hmm. symbolically, artistically, yeah. even geographically. Yeah. You're like, you've ticked some different boxes yeah. off this time in reaction to what you've learned for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, do you mean like a checklist or making the boxes mad? No. <laughs> You've no. ticked off. No, no, I mean yeah, as a as a as a to do list of no, like totally. of like just like yeah. well we are going to address these particular yeah and it's things. it's an imperfect it's a totally yeah. it's an imperfect process and it's not something that I think that it's not something that you can ever get fully right no but I think that art art is a good way of um, thinking out loud. Um, well, even if it's in, at its in space, at at its uh, most simple execution, it will get hundreds of thousands of people to move in different parts of the city that they don't normally traffic through. Mm -hmm. Not It's mostly through commute and practicality that you take whatever route it is to wherever you're going. But this is a deviation for, a de you're creating a destination to a place that you might not have seen or even experienced one time or been to a restaurant there or mm -hmm. walked down the street and felt safe or unsafe or whatever it might be. I think it just by that collision and intertwining of people moving throughout the borders that they don't normally cross will have some impact that will be overwhelmingly positive in uh, just broadening people's perceptions of their own community. Mm -hmm. And hopefully for me, it would have that their their community is much larger than they thought right in its diversity and people and commonality as well yeah in in that and they can see for themselves because i'm as guilty as anyone else that takes a particular route and you have a, a routine and you really have to be intentional and, and most people don't really think it with that intentionality around who they know who they interact with who they socialize it seems to yeah. be more accidental of where they live and work yeah and uh, Art Prize has been an intentional, and Project One, especially now, uh, being more intentional about creating the intentionality of going to other places yeah. you wouldn't normally go. Well, yeah, and I think that's something that's changed in the city over the last 10 years is that when we started out in 2009, for a lot of our audience, that was a big leap just to go downtown. Yeah. Like they didn't really do that. Yeah. Um, or maybe fireworks or maybe the Van Andel Arena for something here and there. But yeah. for the most part, people like, a, and some people think this sounds crazy, especially now, but there's just a lot of people that lived in the broader community that just wouldn't go downtown. Mm -hmm. And, and I think our press was a part of helping to, to break that down and, and show mm -hmm. that there's a lot going on and whatever else. But, um, you know, there's also this sense, and this is this feedback that we're getting from the, from the city as well, that like, that's great, but there's other parts of the city, um, you know, that, that 
want in on that action. And that was yeah. that's part of the thing that, of how MLK Park came up is that that was something that community members had already surfaced. Like we want more art and cool stuff in our park. Yeah. And it's a and it's a lovely park. So it's like it's a great park. You know, as we it's were right by our houses, really. Yeah. I mean, as we were looking around for for overlooked. sites, that was that really like um, bubbled up in that way. I don't mean that we live next to each other or with each other, but we don't live <laughs> too far from one another. But it's true. Uh, <laughs> um, well, how how so? To Scott Welch's point, um, in a broader picture, not that Project One is is a catalyst, but how have you talked about and conceptualized the idea of belonging, either through the artists you've selected? Mm -hmm. I can think of one uh, in particular about, uh, especially with uh, Site Lab and, and the disart mm -hmm. conversation. Yeah. Which is uh, why don't you explain what disart is? This yeah. Year? So each so this quite the question of belonging and and what lines are we talking about crossing here? Like that, I think that plays out differently with with each artist, and mm -hmm. that's that's the hope. That's the point. That's the is that it, it is that it kind of it starts in a certain set of ideas and kind of moves out in a bunch of different directions and they can overlap in uh, kind of exciting ways that weren't expected. So uh, one of the commissioned artists, I say one, but it's actually two people, but they're acting as a, as a collaborative, as a collective, is uh, Paul Amenta and Ted Lott. And Paul Amenta is somebody that people might know because he's the, the co-founder and really the, the chief animator of SiteLab. And SiteLab has done all sorts of really incredible art prize venues through the mm -hmm. years, but they do a lot more than that. And Site Lab is an all-volunteer-run, nomadic, contemporary art ex, uh, uh, exhibition-producing um, nonprofit, and they do uh, these incredible in installations, temporary installations in non-art spaces. Mm -hmm. So those are usually kind of buildings in transition, but they've also done things at like Blandford Nature Center and all kinds of cool stuff. Ted Lott is an architect uh, who's done a lot of wonderful projects around the city, including a bunch that are going right now with um, mm -hmm. Lot Three Mets Architects. Uh, and as somebody who's really thinking a lot about architecture and space and, and how space people and interact with urban environments and city and city building and mobility and, and yeah. uh, uh, transportation mm -hmm. at, at a bunch of different levels. And mm -hmm. he's uh, so so they've partnered together before and this is not their first time they work together. Uh, so they're they're producing a piece called Critical Infrastructure, which is going to be installed primarily on the exterior, but in in a kind of courtyard, partial courtyard space at the Tanglefoot building. Mm -hmm which is a really interesting, very old industrial campus, yeah. which has held artist studios for a very long time. So people may have gone to art events at Tanglefoot sometime in the last three decades because there's been artist studios there for a long time. But this will be, a, a, not in those studios, it'll be a build out kind of on the, the rear of the building. Um, and what they're doing is they're building this series of, of, of ramps, stages, platforms, catwalks, this kind of like theater in the round mm -hmm. thing that's like half globe theater, half minimalist sculpture. Uh, and then it's it's really meant to be a stage and a frame for other creative activity. Mm -hmm. So the the broader Site Lab volunteer organization is involved in helping program out a really phenomenal series of events uh, in the space. And then they're also partnering really closely with Disart. Mm -hmm. And Disart is a, another local nonprofit who our prices worked with before. Um, they curated and produced a, the Art Prize exhibition at Meyer Gardens last year. If you saw that, really phenomenal show. Uh, but Disart is a, um, an organization that's committed to uh, advancing a disabled culture and using the arts to uh, advocate for uh, people with disabilities and disability as a cultural identity. Mm -hmm. uh, so they've, been do, they've done all sorts of consulting and programming and exhibitions um, over the past five years or so that, uh, that are really exciting. And so 
they're thinking also about a lot about access physical yeah. access to a space. And so they're taking this kind of rough, um, you know, just sort of nasty courtyard space, which is hard to even walk through, let alone right. uh, roll through if you're in a chair. And, you know, creating it to into this accessible environment where these yeah. uh, different elevations and things can be reached by people with all different sites of mobility. Um, so they're working closely with Disart on that. And then Disart is also doing uh, a lot of the programming. Yeah. And so for our opening day, Disart is, is working to program um, some stuff there for the evening, and then uh, another day later in the exhibition, which is September 28, Dissart is taking over the space again to, to program a whole day and evening of mm-hmm. a, a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. And we may or may not delve into the, the current controversy that's moving very quickly right now with the, one of the programs within the Dissart Initiative at Site Lab yeah. for this project. But let's talk a little bit about the the three other, um, but sorry, f- four other artists yeah. in three different sites. Yeah. So one's at Tanglefoot, that's Site Lab and, yep. and Disart. Yeah, so um, at Tanglefoot is also uh, a piece by Amanda Browder, who I mentioned earlier, yep. who the is... fabric. Yeah, who's doing these fabric installations where she's collecting donated fabric, working with volunteers to create these enormous striped textile pieces, um, you know, which are, which are soft and uh, colorful, but also, you know, architectural in scale, and they envelop these buildings. And so she'll be doing a kind of a wall hanging piece at Tanglefoot. The biggest single piece she's doing is at, ML, excuse me, is at MLK Park, which uh, wraps the lodge building that's mm-hmm. in the middle of the park. And then she's also uh, wrapping several of the, the... The lodge is kind of the building that is near the pool area. Next it's to the kind pool. Of multi-part, and there's that... It's uh, like a multi-purpose room. It used to be a boxing gym. It's no longer a boxing gym. The GR box isn't there anymore. Uh-uh. Oh, the ring cool. is still inside, but the organization is not currently... Uh, using it, but it um, it's a multi-purpose space, and there's there's dance classes and things held in there. Mm-hmm. But part of the reason that um, folks from the community were interested in 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 artists activating the park in that space is they're trying to figure out what to do with the building. Like the building right. has a lot of potential, uh, and I think that temporary public art is can be this great way of it's a great way coming to, in to probe uh, probe yeah. ideas and and there's and, and not a limited. You know, you're not committing to yeah, uh, the next 15 totally. years of a building. And we can't we can't keep the fabric up, even if yeah. that's what people would want, because it it, <laughs> it starts to discolor and, and uh, it won't last forever. But uh, but it's a great way to like draw attention to a space and mm-hmm. and and to think about it. Um, and then Amanda Browder is also wrapping several of the seg- segments of the Skywalk downtown that mm-hmm. uh, connects several parking garages and hotels, like over Pearl yeah. and Lewis and, yeah. and those streets. And so, so several of those segments will be wrapped in nice. this in these fabric installations. So she's at all three sites. Amanda's the only artist who's whose multi-sided project is at all three of those Project One locations. Yeah. MLK Park also has a sculpture by Heather Hart. Uh, she's an artist from New York who creates these. Um, uh, really large sculptures that look like the rooftop of a single family home. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the home is sunk into the ground to the point where only the roof mm-hmm. emerges. And these roofs can be climbed on and they can also function as stages for unique performances. And so we'll be programming that several is times. There, I don't want you to speak for her, but or thesis, like uh, what sort of conceptually or what is that a metaphor for kind of as a Well, she's thinking about it in a couple different ways. She, she calls these, the, the one, this, this one is called the Oracle of the Soulmates, and it's, there's two rooftops. So there's one in MLK Park, and there'll be one in Rosa Park Circle downtown, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll be identical. But So these identical kind of twin uh, rooftops in different parts of the city. And so she's kind of thinking about this um, the sort of connection and the dislocation 
it's in the same city, but the mm -hmm. the distance and like the and the what surrounds these identical artworks sure. is of course very different. I know, but um, people will interact differently yeah. to some degree. In yeah, which, and even though the structures themselves are identical in mm -hmm. size and scale and material. Yeah, but she's she calls them oracles, and and the other rooftop similar rooftop pieces that she's done elsewhere, she also calls or oracles, and she's thinking a lot about um, like an oracle as a site that you can kind of travel to for insight, maybe insight into yourself or to seek truth. Um, but also Oracle in the sense of oral tradition, because she's very interested in uh, the way that things like carpentry and like house building is an oral tradition. Mm -hmm. And the, the design of these houses is actually based on the design of the house that she grew up in. Uh -huh. And her, I think her father or grandfather was a carpenter. And so there's like this sort of the sense of uh, kind of the oral tradition of building. Um, but then also there's this sort of you know, scream from the rooftops kind of a sure. idea with yeah. it where you're yeah. invited to to go up there and to sing and to speak and to to claim space. That's awesome. So who else? Are oh, yeah. So then also um, Rafael Lozano Hemmer is uh, a Mexican-Canadian artist who uh, does a lot of incredible installations that employ technology and, and use light and sound and sometimes like water vapor and video and all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, and he is doing a, a project on the Blue Bridge called Voice Bridge, mm -hmm. which will have, um, I think it's like 400 spotlights installed near the surface of the, the footpath of the bridge. Yeah. And then these um, speakers as well along the handrails. And participants will be able to record short messages uh, through an intercom. And then those messages play back through the speakers and modulate the lights with the voices of the, of the participants. Interesting. Um, and then so those, and they, and the more that get recorded, they get like moved down these stations of lights across the bridge until mm. it gets to the end. And then that, that message is deleted and lost forever. Wow. So there's this kind of like, um, sending these messages across this divide of, of the river. Mm. Uh, and then the final artist is Olalikin Jefus, who is a Nigerian-born artist based in New York, who is trained as an architect, but has, is doing a lot in public art. Uh, and that piece is a, a, a large sculpture that takes kind of the form of a house and a building uh, kind of stacked into one, mm -hmm. uh, sort of juxtaposing architectural forms of single-family houses and, and larger urban developments. And he's really, it's really born out of um, research about you know, redlining and discriminatory, discriminatory housing practices. Um, that are a part of the history here and, and in a lot of other places as well. Yeah. Well, um, I'll just ask you right out. Do you want do you want to go into kind of the current sort of a uh, little bit of a storm that's happening? Of, it's mostly a misunderstanding sort of yeah. taken 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 yeah. flight. Well, like you said. So what's today? August twenty one. <laughs> August twenty one. As of August twenty one. And this about, is uh, two twenty in the afternoon. And I haven't checked my email <laughs> in the last hour. <laughs> Yeah, so stuff is moving really quickly with this, and um, so on. Uh, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. So, uh, Project One runs from September seven to October twenty seven, mm -hmm. which is much longer than our prize. That's one way yeah. in which um, the projects are much bigger, and it's a much longer exhibition. So people are like, "Is it bigger or smaller than our prize?" And I'm like, "In what way are you measuring?" Um, but what we're doing for the opening day on September seven is uh, we're doing programming at all three of those locations mm -hmm. at different times of the day. So it's gonna kick off at Rosa Park Circle at noon. Uh, there's this really incredible dance performance uh, called Band Loop, which will be um, dancing and rappelling off of buildings downtown. Wow. And so dancing kind of in the sky. Is this which related to Rob Liss's paper airplanes at all? Are it's we using some of the same buildings, rappelling? There probably will be some of the same buildings because those are the buildings that are down there, but <laughs> it's not related in any way. Um, 
but uh, so that'll be really great, and there'll be other stuff happening down there, uh, and 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 uh, and then it'll sort of shift to MLK Park for mm-hmm. kind of a family celebration and uh, artist panel discussions and performances on Heather Hart's roof, and of course seeing uh, seeing the lodge wrapped in fabric. Uh, and then the the plan is for then things to to then go to the Tanglefoot site uh, in the evening for a panel discussion with with those artists and then a performance, um, which was organized by uh, Disart, this group called Drag Syndrome, which is uh, a performance troupe from London, and this is slated to be their U.S. debut. Uh, they've never performed in the U.S. before. Uh, it's a kind of innovative dance and uh, drag performance where the adult performers have Down syndrome. and But they're incredible performers um, and they're artists in their own right and really quite accomplished um, and have gotten a lot of really great press in the UK and they just um, did some things in Canada recently. Uh, so a few weeks ago we announced that lineup because there's, we're excited about all that programming. Um, that first Saturday kicks off what will be a whole series of Saturdays. And so... September 14th, there's a huge concert and performance on the Blue Bridge, which will activate Raphael Zonohammer's mm-hmm. uh, voice bridge. On the 21st, September 21st, there's the African American Art and Music Festival, which will happen at MLK Park. Mm-hmm. There'll be performances on Heather Hart's roof, as well as a ton of other stuff happening. And then September 28th, uh, back to Tanglefoot for um, an installation called Voices. Anyway, uh, Drag Syndrome was, is, is meant to be the, the kind of capstone of that opening day. Um, and it's something that we're we're really excited about. And it's one of those things where, even though I didn't program it, and it's really Disart's doing, and and through the network that they've built globally of uh, you know disability arts advocacy organizations is is how they got connected with this group. Uh, I think it fits so perfectly with cross lines. And there's even a there's even a wordplay which is like cross dressing, cross right. lines. Yeah. And I when I was thinking about cross lines, like I told you before, I'm thinking about cities. I'm thinking about redlining. I'm thinking about who feels like they belong downtown, who feels like they can mm-hmm. go over this road, or which side of the river is yours, or you know, like all this kinds of stuff that affects how we feel like we belong or don't right. uh, within a city. But I hadn't been thinking about expressions of gender. Right. I hadn't been thinking about sexuality, and but it's perfect. It's totally perfect. And disability and this idea, within that context, and disability as right. well. And of course, you know, and 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 Paul and Ted were um, with the design and the intent of critical infrastructure as a structure. We're thinking about disability, especially in terms of mobility access, which is yeah. only, of course, only one dimension of of disability. But you know, thinking about that very deliberately, and of course, we were as well. But but this idea of um, of of who who gets to who gets to play? Because drag is a very playful art form, right? Sure. Who gets to play with ideas of gender, and who gets to, um, and who gets to express that art form? It, yeah. And and um, so some of the some of the controversy within that context, at least the way I understand it, uh, and I haven't looked at it deeply or broadly, but it was just that people were concerned that the drag performers were children with Down syndrome. Yeah, which is a misconception because yeah. they're they're not children. Yeah, uh, you know they're they're adults and they're you know on the spectrum of those things they're very high functioning and they're they're artists in their own right. And having talked with them directly about this exact question, their their um, their response is like, I can do what I want. You know, like it's 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 a it's a it's a, a reclamation of of agency, right. right? And it's and and that and I th- and I think that drag has that mm-hmm. running through it has that kind of sassiness kind of sure. running through it as an art yeah. form anyway, and that's that's part of what these artists have really like embraced in it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is really great, but I, I I do think that there's yeah, so we've gotten a lot of emails and like I said this is the thing where it's all moving really fast in terms yeah. of how all this is developing and it's 
It's fascinating. It's also distressing because um, the thing, it doesn't have anything to do with children. The performers aren't children. We're not marketing it to children. There's just nothing, nothing in it is about children. But a lot of this negative feedback we're getting is focused on children, which is strange because it's like, I, it's well, not. Well, it's focused on children and disability, which is, which is interesting. What I've seen has been, um, the reactions to it have been horribly reductive in its um, analysis of it, yeah. but also uh, at the same time was, uh, had a, a, a fantastic Milieu, milieu of, of like uh, <laughs> misinformation and outright like things that aren't I true. I say fantastic. I mean, <laughs> well, I so, mean by, by well, grand, I, I meant by I guess, uh, uh, an exorbitant yeah, amount totally. of misinformation. Right. Well, and I think that on the one hand, there are people who have questions about agency. Yeah. Right. And, and they want to make sure that no one's being like exploited or, right. or sort of put in a position that would be harmful or unsafe or something. And that and those those concerns are valid and like, you know, and we're, you know, we have and can, we'll continue to address those and so it's just start. But then there's this other end of the the spectrum which is just really vile homophobia, transphobia and ableism. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's really tricky because um, if people have legitimate concerns, you don't want to lump them in with like literal hate groups. Yeah, you can parcel the out <laughs> the difference between the two. But, yeah, but, it's it's uh, so it's it's a tough it's like a tough thing to message. But at the same time, I you know it, when I can take a moment to step back a little bit, I'm like, this is kind of what this thing is about. Like, mm-hmm. where are these fault lines? Like, where are the lines that that we um, think we can't cross? And I get that some some of those like invisible lines. Uh, I'm not trying to and 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 Disheart is not trying. If I can speak on their behalf, which I you know try not to do, but but in terms of our prize as being a supporter of, of this and, and, and including it in a large constellation of programming, you know, we're not trying to be deliberately um, controversial. We're not trying to like yeah. pick a hornet's nest and, and that's no, never the intent of provocative around the, of intentionally provocative it. around these issues. No, not at all. And, and, and the, and Disart's planning process to their credit is, is really meticulous. And, and the, the kind of the conversations that uh, go into making sure that they're doing this right, um, uh, they're really good at that, yeah. um, so it's so it's a little disheartening to see people, uh, you know, misconstrue it, and mm-hmm. um, and it's you know it starts to verge into you know people. It's it's like they they think that they're defending something, but they're really um, taking away the the and agency again, and, and fair, the voice of artists. We'll be releasing this podcast a few days before this. There's at least a, a week and a half before anyone yeah. will hear this. Yeah, so a lot again, can happen. There a lot yeah. can be out the August, other side. August twenty one. This is this is a, a mini time capsule of yeah of how so, I'm processing things right at this moment. But yeah, you know, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see where everything lands. So, but again, uh, you're the tip of the spear for some of these things. I mean, you're, you didn't organize or program it. You gave a platform to... No, no I didn't. To, but, but, but one thing I will say to that, though, is that what we what I did program and what, what I commissioned and what I, as a curator, mm-hmm. what I, um, you know, the reason I selected Paul, Amenta, and Ted Lott to create this project is because I like what they're doing, which is they are creating a, both a, liter, a literal and a metaphorical infrastructure for the creativity of others. Yeah. And so as artists, and this is unusual, because we think of artists as like, I'm this genius and praise me because I'm a beautiful, I'm an artist, right. I'm so talented. Their, their kind of art is really meant to reverse that and to sort of like do the work to provide the infrastructure and then to decenter themselves from it. 
right? And so, and that's the thing, that's like the conceptual core of, of what Paul and Ted are doing. It relates very much to what Heather Hart's doing mm-hmm. of creating this roof. She, she designs it, but then she's like other people are climbing on it. Right. And they right. do things. And Raphael Zano Hammer, it's like, he gives you the microphone. Mm-hmm. What do you say? Right. Are you going to say a, I love you, mom? Or are you going to say a swear word? Are you going to like, what right. do you, he doesn't know. We don't know. Yeah. Like that's, that's part of the thing of it. And even uh, Amanda Browder with like, she wants people to touch the work and like make it with your hands. And like, and there's something that's so empowering about that. And so that's what we're doing. That's what our price is doing. That's what project one is doing. That's what I'm doing as a curator is, is, in, is investing in these artists to create that space. Mm-hmm. That, approach has a certain chaotic nature to it, which we're, which we're seeing play out because yeah. they've then, they, you know, as, as per the, you know, uh, what they're creating, they handed the reins over to collaborators to help program it, you know? Yeah. And that's, so that's what, um, sometimes it, it, it brings heat. Well, and then it becomes about the, the public discussion again, the mm-hmm. discussion of art. And that's yeah. what art prize has always done really well from the beginning. And, um, sort of being the catalyst for these conversations that help us learn. In the rearview mirror, they seem uh, less intense and less at, uh, the, like, like there was less at stake at the time. Right. In the, content, you know, in the real-time experience, it was uh, a lot of stakes and, and seemed to be a, lot, a very intense experience. So, uh, I'm talking about various years of art prize. There's always something that sort of yeah. can pop up and really create a lot of discourse and create... Um, dialogue that sometimes isn't helpful but other times ultimately I always think it is helpful even if in the meantime it's a a bit of a chaotic experience like you're having now so Mm -hmm. anyway not to be too abstract about it or anything but we don't really know it's so early it just really popped up yesterday I think (laughs) yeah Uh, Yeah, last last couple days yeah which is a hundred years in internet time I know spreads like wildfire I know people uh, in a week people be like what you know (laughs) yeah I don't know it's yeah it's, it's kind of par for the course, and we're just, you know, we're trying to do, do right by artists and do right by everybody else, so. What's your, I'll wrap up with a couple of quick questions about you and your passion for curation and, and being this sort of, um, uh, I don't know how to best describe that. I was going to call you kind of a, a um, you're, in a, I don't even have the right metaphor, Kevin, I'm sorry, but it's like <laughs> something about, you're kind of the, uh, for me, it's probably the wrong one, a canary in the coal mine for me in terms <laughs> of dead. like what's, what's, what's happening in the art world. What's your favorite part about being a curator? And maybe it's um, connected to being part of Art Prize, and maybe it isn't about, but is there something abstractly that you could apply as a curator in your, your own artistic practice and approach to art that really pushes all the right buttons for you professionally and creatively and conceptually is just talk about being a curator. Well, I, and I just called myself that a minute ago, so I, got, I have to own it, but it, it's a relatively new thing for me and it's not my title. There are I, colleagues of mine and other organizations, that is their title. Um, yeah. That's not my title as artistic director, which is is kind of is I am a curator, but it's um, my role shifts quite a lot from the project commission format versus the art prize competition format, mm-hmm. and so you know we're already preparing for art prize twenty twenty, and uh, that's partly why my title, which is relatively new, is artistic director because I'm not going to be a curator in that in that context. That's more of right. a of an enabler of. Um, of, of artists and and also a design director in a sense for all of the, the kind of collateral that we do, um, which has a different kind of artistic uh, element to it. But um, so the curator thing is a little new to me. 
Um, but I'm uh, I'm just a big fan of. Well, it's new to you as a as a practice to actually yeah. curate. But like your life has been impacted by curators and that role and its traditional definition. Yeah. your entire adult life, absolutely, in one way or another. So. I don't know what my follow-up is to that other than <laughs> curation a, runs through your a life a little bit I'm a long-time than... wannabe curator <laughs> yeah. who now gets to actually commission <laughs> artists to do... Well, that's a candid way to put to it do because stuff. you're actually doing it in practice now through these um, three sites and five yeah. artists. Yeah, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a deeply collaborative process. And I, even though I have kind of a soft spot for this curatorial turn or the, the curator as author um, of, of exhibition, and, and that's a... Are sort of a complicated notion with the contemporary art. Um, there's something I do kind of like about it, but having like going through it now, it's like every part of it is so collaborative. You know, yeah. like even the cross lines thing, I did come up with that, but it was in a conversation with a bunch of other people. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it and and so it's like, I don't know. Well, it, that's just it's, the it's idea. Not, of, it's not uh, a that just starts the, kind of the little little snowflake becoming a snowball in terms of collaboration because pretty soon then. You're working with city uh, entities and yeah. and uh, building owners and like that whole like it is. Art Prize and Project One both are probably some of the most complicated collaborations that you could potentially have. Yeah, in the art world for sure. At least you yeah, know, just put the footprint out there. It's going to be complicated. So can I talk about who my uh, curatorial hero is? Yes. So I, uh, last year, I uh, got my master's degree in visual and critical studies from Kendall College of Art and Design uh, here in Grand Rapids. And it's a, it's a new program. It's kind of an art theory program that they started just recently. And it, it focuses kind of on visual studies, but also art theory and, and visual, visual theory. Uh, but for my thesis project and, and my, my master's thesis, I took a, more of a kind of a straight contemporary art approach, which was I wrote about the this exhibition that happens once every five years in Germany called Documenta. Mm -hmm. And like you were talking about traveling yeah. uh, to biennials and, and, and these big exhibitions, which I, which I do get to do occasionally. Um, I've been to Documenta twice in mm -hmm. 2012 and 2017. And so I wrote about failure, uh, three different failures in um, Documenta in 2012. And failures the, from what perspective? Uh, so the the artistic director, the curator, Carolyn Christoph Bakirgev, um, there one of them was one. The first failure was this uh, artist named Kayatov, who was commissioned to create something for the for the exhibition, and withdrew. And when he withdrew, he sent this like very like gushy kind of apologetic letter to the curator, and then the curator took that and displayed the letter. <laughs> And so she just put a case and just was like, here's the letter of this guy who dropped out. And, and she, she put it in the first gallery of the main venue. So like in the kind of normal way of viewing the exhibition, it's literally the first thing you saw was As like way, this so what was her, exhibition of theater. I don't want to jump ahead of you. I apologize if I am. But like, so what was, what was the, her curatorial power and reaction to that letter? Is she your hero? Is that who the, your hero is, or is yeah. it someone? That, okay, yeah, so, no, she is. But yeah. I, and I, but she's a complicated figure. Yeah, because whenever you research somebody that much, you learn how complicated they are. So that's one part of it. And then the other thing was there I was, know a lot of your complications. Th there actually. was this. There was these artists. These artists from Argentina, who as as a kind of a ready-made artwork, they wanted to uh, transport a meteorite from Argentina 
this 37 ton meteorite called El Chaco. They wanted to like put it on a barge and bring it to Germany and put it on a pedestal and just do nothing to it, just display it as an artwork. Mm -hmm. This just sort of like moved mass and then, and then just bring it back when they were done. And so the curator was really involved. And and because the artist, it's just a conceptual gesture. It's like the artist and the curator, there's no distinction at that point. It's just all, all of them together are trying to get this to happen. Yeah. It failed. They, there was like this um, uh, local group of uh, indigenous people who were like, this is part of the heritage of our, of our region here in Argentina and we don't want you to take it. And, and basically there was like a, they were like, we know what happens when Europeans come here and take our treasures. They don't come back. Like we, we've, we've been burned before. We need to own that. Yeah, totally. And, and, and so, but she, not only did this project fail, she, in her catalog essay, that's the first thing she writes about. Like that's the first thing she talks about wow. is is the failure to bring El Chaco there. Right. So she like foregrounds the failure, just leans straight into it. Yeah. And then the third thing is that there was this um, artwork that was installed in Castle in the city where Documenta was happening that had nothing to do with Documenta, but everyone thought it did because it was just very visible and very public. It was like this figurative sculpture in a church, mm-hmm. and uh, she tried to get it taken down. Like she tried to censor it, really, because she was yeah. just like, pe- people think this is a part of my exhibition. It's not. I want you to take it down. And the church was like, no, this is right. this is our property. This was and, here before and, you. No, no, no. It came, oh, oh, yeah, no, it came in. It, this is the problem yeah, because it, it installed like right as it opened, it. right as the document opened, and so she failed. She, so the so the third thing is that she failed to censor someone else's artwork. Um, <laughs> And so anyway, so the, so the whole thing was about these, how, how you can like, like what are the limits of, of navigating failure and kind of like turning a failure into a success and kind of, you know, flipping it in that way? Because, you know, she put up the letter and, and, and wrote about the absence of the meteorite became yeah. this big thing. It was like yeah. this sort of way to talk about the exhibition. But with the with the failure to censor the other work, you know, she just doesn't talk about it. Right. <laughs> she she wasn't able to uh, so to, I love to bring how that the one heroicism into heroicism that you feel it was through these her own uh, her own sort of uh, failures of of curating something that wasn't you know it wasn't the intended outcome. Yeah, and so well, through that, yeah, I mean, was there other brilliances that counterbalance her to be you to say she's my hero, but she's the one that, or do you just mean symbolically? You no, can, I you can make some horrible decisions, but also have this uh, amazing sort of well, side I, of, I don't have time to get all yeah. into everything else, but the entire exhibition. The exhibition's huge, and yeah. so these these three things are just a small part of it. Yeah. Um, was really in, incredible, and even the way that she, the way that she kind of played those failures, like the the artworks that didn't arrive, the way that she kind of t- flipped them, mm-hmm. was in line. Like it, it helped her drive home the points that the entire exhibition were, was making. Great, you know yeah. what I mean. So that it's like, was there underlined the yeah. brilliance so, of that. Exactly, and so there was a, there was a certain um, and it sounds cheesy, but there's a certain kind of power in the absence yeah, sure. of the meteorite that almost seemed yeah. like you almost couldn't have planned it better. Like the right. like not getting imagine it. a meteorite on this pedestal. Yeah, not getting it is yeah. almost kind of like well, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, and that's and that's how she how she how she positioned it. So there's something about the the practical like. I like it because no one's perfect. She's <laughs> like, that's the most important exhibition probably in the world, and she's at the top of her game. But like, yeah. stuff just doesn't work right. sometimes. So that gives me, you know, I take sol- I take solace in that. Yeah, but then also that happens to you uh, to you know varying degrees almost every year in terms of something <laughs> literally you know? happening right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but then also the the way, but the way that um, 
the the frame of the exhibition and how you can talk about the exhibition can include that. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not all artifice. It's not all the show you put on. It's also what didn't make it. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's and it's the work. It's the work to do it all. And all of it can be looked at critically yeah. and all of it can be talked about. And I think that's cool. Here's a segue. Well, I want to work look at all the work at Project One this year. Huh? Let's see that seg did you hear the segue? Well, right why there? would why would you want to? No, I said uh, here's a segue is that I certainly want to see mm. all the artwork. Anyway, I even blew the segue. So <laughs> oh no, no, I hear you. This now. is my last podcast. And the, <laughs> the first with Metro Health, the University of Michigan Health, and the last. That's too bad. With, uh, you know, really with, uh, we were a brilliant comet that yeah. streaked across the I hope sky. You, I hope you learned left. something through that failure. <laughs> well, thank you. I didn't even have time to get into uh, stone polishing and gems and minerals and and other baking things. and baking bread. Last and time, bread. Last time, yeah. The recording that none of you will hear. We talked about sourdough. I'm going to have you back, and we're not yeah. even going to talk about art. We're just going to talk about what you do polishing stones in your basement. Yes. And then this delicious bread I've never tasted. Oh, yeah. I should bring that in. Yeah, I mean, that would that would engender you to a return visit, potentially. I would. I will. Yeah. I'll do it. But, uh, no, you are, you're someone I respect deeply. Uh, I've enjoyed working with you. We didn't even go into my own... Um, tooting horn of our 10-year retrospective video that I'm so proud of. But everyone should watch it because it's amazing. I'll put a link I'll, up to I'll do it a in quick your, in horn your... toot for you. Well, thank you. But um, anyway, there's. Uh, I appreciate you coming back. I really, you know, I said it in the in the first one that no one will ever hear because it's technically impossible to <laughs> It doesn't decipher. exist. It does not exist. Um, I'm going to put the... Anyway, I was going to make a joke about the meteor being not there. And this is your first interview <laughs> not being there. So uh, yeah, I, it's well, kind I, of like that. And the I absence creates longing. So yeah, we absolutely. all are pining for that first interview. Absolutely. Um, but uh, I really, honestly and uh, wholeheartedly, really have respected you watching you. I, I had the advantage of not working in the organization, but seeing how, like, it's a unique sort of fly in the wall yeah. perspective I've had for 10 years internally and externally with the exhibition or with Art Prize itself. So uh, I'm excited about Project One and seeing what you're bringing. I love this curatorial um, muscle you get to, to flex now and Thanks. to see where that goes because I, I really just think you're one of the most uh, in, interesting and um, a really needed voice in the art community to help the public continue to disseminate what art means for ourselves and for our community and, and for the world. So uh, thanks. thanks again for yeah. popping back a second time. Anytime. All right, buddy. Take care. This Full Exposure podcast episode has been made possible through the support of Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn, who believe that creativity and the arts are essential to a rich, healthy, and fulfilling life. 